Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Tuesday edition is here, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The entire crew is back as well. We welcome our, our video network, our visual medium. Back from the holidays. If you're with us on radio yesterday, we appreciate it. We recapped college football. We'll continue to do that today. John McClain joins us in an hour as we'll go headfirst into the NFL. Week one is just around the corner. Thursday night, the Rams and the Bills. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Had one day of a very old school throwback radio broadcast only on Labor Day, and now we're back. With the full enchilada today. So we are excited to get rolling. John McClain, always a big day. He's got a new uh, journalistic venture he's going to tell us about a little bit later in the show. And there's news all over the place. Yesterday I had a John Clayton-esque ponytail because we didn't have the cameras. But today I I shaved my head and got back uh, prepared for the cameras. Paul's baldness is actually just an optical illusion. He's got a lot of hair and he tucks it behind his shirt collar when he's on camera. Well, today, he has to keep uh, up today the I cleaned up the front area for appearances. Oh, as you would naturally do. Yeah, yeah but yesterday, course. I mean, I kind of put my feet up, turned sideways. It was. Yeah, we. I mean, we had full run for all. For all the listeners know, we were, you know, in different locations yesterday. Broadcast from home, like our olden days. Do you ever just crave? Um, <laughs> Chocolate. Um, yes. Yes, that. Uh, what I'm trying to crave routine. Like getting back into a routine, I feel like I'm in that oh, way right now. That's because football season, yeah. Wife got into a car accident last week. She's fine, but car got totaled, and it's just been one thing after the other of Aaron running, you know, moving child seats into different vehicles, uh, insurance work that she's doing, pretty much all of that. But it's everything is just disheveled, and throwing I just you want, off your game. We got a fantasy draft tonight with our local listeners in Nashville. We've got I've got a Backstreet Boys concert on Thursday. I got to get to. It's just a big week. Softball coaching Wednesday. Softball coaching Friday. I don't feel like I've had a morning of routine yet. I don't think, we and I get crave it. that routine. I don't think we get it till next week. I don't know. I know Hut. You had a show last night that threw you off. Then we had a fantasy draft. Yeah. We've got a fantasy draft tonight. I've got another one tomorrow. Then Thursday night <laughs> we're watching opening night. So uh, I think it's not until next week that we get kind of into the routine. I'm ready. I'm ready for that routine. But then once I get in the routine, and this is the funny thing about life and never being fully content. Once I get into that routine, you know what I want? I want to break change the routine. Up. Where's the change? I want to change up, up the routine. I want to do the show outside. I want to go somewhere else. I want something happening in the morning. I want something to look forward to at night. But right now. I just want the routine. Yeah, I'll what, have that too. What he's the routine. Is I'll he just wants, get into the routine and then I'll go to Buffalo. He wants <laughs> yeah, for a Monday night game. He wants the uh, to, the Today Show. 
I nearly said good morning, America. You want the Today Show. Yeah, when we've gone away from Today Show today because show. Well, uh, my, don't like? we don't like TVs name on in the morning for my daughter. Uh, like She gets sucked she's into it, it and just everyone. starts watching it. So I haven't watched the Today Show in months. And that I, I was a huge part of your routine. It was big. It was big every morning. Savannah, Hoda, the whole crew really got me through the morning. You know what the, the new, um, I don't know if it's the craze, but so you have the national morning shows, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, across the country, there are more and more local mid-afternoon shows popping up. Uh, right? Locally in town here in Nashville, there is going to be a show from 2 o'clock until 4, I believe. Who's on that? That is, uh, I don't know if it's completely outsourced. I was told uh, through a conversation I had this morning from someone who got out of the news business that um, it is uh, completely separate of the news department at Did they the come television after you? station. No, no. No, this is, uh, this is more like a, a home and... Garden yeah, it's and talk of the town for years. Yeah. It was on Channel 5. Uh, and today, it's still there. Today in Nashville is another local one on Channel 4. After today's show, it goes no, from like is, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Yeah, but this is a show that will now lead into local news and then network news. So you're only going to have, you know, like growing up, we would have like Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake, yeah. uh, Sally Jesse Raphael. Right. Syndicate. Donnie. Now, Donahue. Yeah. Donahue. He was now, the father. Of now the- it's uh, Rosie O'Donnell was another. Well, Ella Generous had a, had a show. No, now no, it's no these, longer. these, you know, local... Kelly Clarkson does a show. She's got one of those shows now. You know what else uh, is coming yeah. on the other side of this? NBC, and I know Chad will like this because Chad is totally out of network television. And I can't say I'm watching any network television either, but I'm not against its existence. NBC's talking about giving up 9 o'clock, uh, 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern, the block. Just turning, turning it over to local, which would mean maybe an earlier newscast or less syndicated... Of- Syndicated a, stuff. I mean, what a sea change that is because wow. for our parents' lifetimes and our lifetimes up until now, uh, or 10 years ago, that was the prestige hour. I mean, think that of the is, shows that oh, have yeah. been in that hour. LA Life-changing. Uh, ER. Yeah. Uh, NYPD Hill, Blue. Hill, yeah. Uh, Hill Street Blues. I mean, think about just how defeated that is of the network. To and just that get is, to give that up. That is NBC Universal saying it's going to go on Peacock anyways. They're already putting something on Peacock that's like the Today Show, but it's 30 minutes of news that they stream every day. And how much are they Everything spending? Everything is headed to that, and they just don't care about their inventory as much. And it's how crazy. much are they spending on those shows on Peacock? I mean, are they... I don't know. I, I, I see a complete retreat out there. of competing with Netflix and Hulu for... For but that see, kind of prestige, quote unquote, television. I see all of that, and then I, I'm watching. Why am I? Oh, I'm watching college football over the weekend, ESPN, ABC, and I'm inundated with trailers for Hillary Swank going to ABC on a drama that's starting well, in like big. two weeks. If you can get a star now to go to she plays television. A, that's monstrous. A journalist in Alaska that's trying to find a, a, a serial killer. Or something along those lines, but I'm like two-time Academy busy. Award winner Hillary Swank, and, but I see that and think, boy, Hillary Swank is this is like She's three six mafia down. playing yeah, Titans right. halftime. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is <laughs> Hillary Swank not on an HBO show, but on ABC. Woo. Big ABC is a huge step down yeah. for Hillary Swank. I is think it, I, I, I hear this, crazy. and I think we're not far from uh, network TV going to a picture of the American flag at nine o'clock. 
well, or that, that old signal they had overnight in the in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, they just yeah, go to that, the, yeah, that, that signal. The, well, NBC had the peacock, like the old school. There's that NBC. Yeah. We'll be back, you know, in the morning. Well, I'm thinking of that circle, you know, with the line running through it that made blips. Um, but I mean, that's moving totally the wrong direction. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, Clemson, coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll discuss if Clemson's going in the wrong direction, not for losing, but just where they currently are in the college football landscape based on what we saw last night and what we're used to seeing over the last decade or so. What we saw last night... Um, it was pretty blah. Yeah, um, where it was closer than the final score would indicate at 41-10. to 10. Is there a quarterback controversy with Clemson? Uh, Klubnik... Is the, is the guy in the wings. They lead the broadcast last night by showing the quarterbacks warming up, and they show both. Um, Tigers win easily. I mean, they rattle off 27 straight points in this game. But at some point, and it comes as soon as DJ struggles, they're going to look to Klubnik as, as the main guy in the future. I was not thinking about this until I was reading more this morning. But Deshaun Watson unseated a veteran starter after early reps in the first couple games when he took over. And Trevor Lawrence did the same thing. And so, you know, there's the path that Klubnik would have to take has been traveled twice before by very good quarterbacks who took Clemson. Uh, you know, first one really took Clemson to its, its heights that it maintains now. Second one maintained it. Yeah, the offensive line, too, is very underwhelming. That's the other issue with all this, um, which they, gives the which I think opens the door for the young guy to come in and take over. I and, would like Clemson to, to become a story of a team that was temporarily at the heights because it would create room for somebody to come. But what have we seen from, like, Utah, who we were saying would be the next team to come? I'm not saying that's a death blow, but they didn't rise to the occasion in that. Right. So who's the team, like, right now if we're picking – Maybe it's good that it's wide open. I, I we're going to get more falls. into Clemson. I, I think this is this is more of a fall that we're witnessing right now from Grace from Clemson. Feels I like. think so too. They may still win the ACC, and I picked them to win, and I'm sticking by it that, that because their defense is really good, and their defense is going to keep them hanging around. But the stubbornness of their coach, the unwillingness to adapt, the fact that he had all off season to do something different at quarterback or come up with a different offensive plan for a quarterback who was in the triple digits nationally in QB efficiency a year ago. And I didn't see much any improvement last night. They're going to harp on the fact that he got a little bit better as the game went on. They're going to harp on the fact that he lost 15 pounds this offseason, so he's a little bit more mobile. He didn't look that mobile to me in this game. He He looked very awkward riding I'm not picking up my feet. I kept getting clipped and going down. I I was – I was extremely unimpressed. And Georgia Tech is is nothing opponent. Nothing. Georgia Tech, we said it yesterday, remains one of the least interesting programs in the country. Very nondescript. Very. They don't have a lot going. At least with Paul Johnson, they were that team that ran the triple option. You dreaded dreaded them. You knew knew that was going to be something to watch every game. You're not dreading them now. No. And they also, I mean, they ran the ball 40 times and averaged just over three yards per carry. I mean, that's, that's not the, the offensive system that's going to get you to the college football playoff. So I, offensively, there is so much. If you would have told me they're winning 41-10, to 10, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they've, they've righted some wrongs offensively and they're going to be back on the path of the Clemsons of a couple years ago. I didn't see that last night. 
not that same consistency, and I don't think we will until they turn things over to the young quarterback. Yeah, it's uh, they they need to make that switch soon because he, he looked good. How highly rated is he? He gave them some juice. He's a five star. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a highly rated guy. So I mean, there's there was a different rhythm to the offense when he entered the game, <laughs> and you can say whatever you want about the station the game was in at that point. Don't care. It right. was much more efficient and looked a lot better when he was in the game. 10 plays, 66 yards, boom. The new AP Top 25 is out. Uh, Alabama remains the number one team in the country. Georgia has jumped Ohio State after their blowout win over Oregon. 49-3 to will help you do that. Um, they're up to number two in the country, followed by Ohio State, who drops one spot after their 21-10 to win over the Irish. Michigan has moved into the top four. Michigan is up four spots to four after their win over Colorado State in the opening weekend. Clemson was at four. They win last night, but fall one spot to number five. So your top five, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson. Rounding out the top ten, Texas A&M remains at number six overall. Oklahoma up two spots to seventh uh, following their opening weekend victory over UTEP. Notre Dame falls three spots to number eight. They're eighth in the country after their loss um, and respectable showing, quite frankly, on the road in week one against Ohio State. Baylor and USC are now rounding out the top ten. Baylor was number ten last week entering the season. They've moved up a spot to nine. USC is up four spots to the tenth-ranked team in the country. Uh, Also, uh, Florida. Florida. Now 12th in the country, about where they should be yeah. after their win over Utah. Utah, who falls to 13. So Utah goes from 7 to 13. Uh, meanwhile, as you scroll through and look for Oregon, you're not going to find them. Oregon out of the top 25 after their blowout loss to Georgia. Get what they deserve. I think this was a very good job by the voters in this a- AP poll. Look, there's some common sense logic in an approach to this, right? First off, I don't like the preseason poll when it dictates how the rest of the season goes. So I allow for a complete reset after what we see in week one and make that game go. The week two poll, essentially your week one poll, right? Well, Florida beats Utah, who was a top 10 team at home. They put Florida ahead of Utah, one spot. Great. It would have looked weird if Florida creeps in at number 23 because they were out of the top 25 and Utah drops to 13 and we just saw Florida beat Utah. So I like what the the poll did with that. Um, you know, Pittsburgh at 17. We're going to talk about Tennessee-Pittsburgh this week. Tennessee's up to a touchdown favorite on the road. So that's Vegas saying they're really double digits better than Pittsburgh right now is how they view both teams. And Tennessee's, Tennessee's 24. And now you should have it happen again. Pittsburgh, if Tennessee 17. beats Pittsburgh, Tennessee should be ahead of, right. of Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh in the next wins at home, Tennessee's out of the top 25. And if Tennessee Pittsburgh wins, up a little bit. I think Tennessee and Pittsburgh should flip-flop. Yeah, Tennessee should rocket to 17th, and Pittsburgh should drop to about 24th or out of the top 25. Or close, uh, yeah, out. The biggest movers, of, of course, Florida's up to 12th in the country. BYU is up four spots to 21, and Arkansas moves up three spots, ranked 16th after their win over Cincinnati. And she stayed trying to see who down else I to 18. Where were they? Have not mentioned. You, did you NC see, State's 18th. They yeah, fell five spots. NC five State spots. dropped five spots, which I also like because they looked bad yeah, and yeah. should have lost if not for a missed extra point and missed field goal. Um, in the other receiving votes category, uh, Oregon 
is 26th in the country at 131. So they didn't completely fall out of favor from 11th. Where, that spot. where is Cincinnati? Cincinnati, Cincinnati is got 63 votes. They are They're fourth. 29th, if you're looking yeah. nationally. It's Oregon, Penn State, Texas, Cincinnati. Florida State. Florida State in that order outside the top 25. Michigan moving up four spots. You guys cool with that? They jump Texas A&M. They jump Clemson. Clemson, of course, doesn't lose. Texas A&M wins 31-0. They didn't cover by half point. Uh, Chad knows that well. Who else did they jump? Notre Dame, right? Uh, Notre Dame, but Notre Dame at least lost. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the teams that won. I mean, based on just the way they looked, it, it's tough to tell because Michigan played such a bad opponent, but they dominated. Colorado State. I mean, completely dominated. So, but does Michigan dominate? Yeah. Colorado State mean more than Notre Dame looking good against Ohio State? Yeah. You call it a wash. I mean, it, it's a loss still. And, and, you know, it's a two possession loss for Notre Dame. And also, AM, for example, very unimpressive uh, in their game. I know there's a long lightning delay in that game as well, but well, they were very unimpressive. I guess what I, I'm thinking here, if I'm a voter, I don't know how I comprehend. I'm going to move Michigan ahead of Clemson and Texas A&M, but I'm not going to move Georgia ahead of Alabama. Georgia was way more impressive in week one than Alabama. So if you're going to use that logic, you need to use it throughout your entire ranking. I mean, Alabama was pretty darn impressive. <laughs> they beat a team that had 11 wins last year, 45 to nothing, and took everybody out in the third quarter. So, I mean, Clemson... Who looked better, Georgia or Alabama? Georgia. Georgia looked better, but I'm saying if you're talking about penalizing someone's spots, I don't know that I'm penalizing Alabama that spot if I put them in number one to start the season. Yeah, I've just if if How Michigan's fluid. moving up four spots, I mean I need it. Well, Michigan, but again, Michigan's moving up ahead of Clemson, who looked like dog bleep offensively. Texas A&M, who was underwhelming against an FCS opponent, and a team who lost is who they moved up against. Oklahoma moved up two spots. That's a big jump for, for the Big Ten and the Wolverines. And, and Michigan is, what, is one of those teams, we, we had the topic last week on if you could snap your fingers and have a team competitive that would make everything else competitive for the duration of the season. Michigan was that last year for the Big Ten. We mentioned uh, Iowa was that last year for the Big Ten for the first half of the season. Kentucky fits that category uh, before they met up with Georgia in, what, week seven of last year? Week six? Yeah. But... Um, you know, this year it's Tennessee, it's Florida. Um, we hope it's A&M. We hope it's Mississippi State or Arkansas, for instance, that remain this type of, uh, of competitive. Seven of the top 10, eight of the top 12 are SEC, Big 10, or soon to be. Yeah. Well, even just SEC specifically, I mean, you got all those teams in the, in the top 25, what, eight in the top 25 this week? But then you've got hanging right there around the fringe, Auburn, who got more top 25 votes than Mississippi State, who's right there in the mix for a borderline top 25 spot. South Carolina is also in the others receiving votes category. You've got three other programs, Auburn, Mississippi State, South Carolina, that's not that far off from snagging a top 25 spot if a few teams lose. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Our thoughts on Clemson is coming up where uh, we say we see the end of the era, the quote-unquote era of the championship level Clemson. And we'll give our thoughts why. And 
you can chime in as well on the show. Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, our trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy, and they deliver supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website, V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. This is where you can see more information. Our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. And your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione. There's so much more that you can benefit from as well when you visit vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A, lifescience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at vitalifescience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Clemson wins last night, but in the long run... What do we see in store for the Tigers? Outkick 360 rolls on. A part of this is conference-driven in my line of thinking. Like it was on the horizon. We know what's coming with the SEC and the Big Ten, and we know what the TV revenue is going to be for the ACC, which is locked in, and they continue to repeat it through the mid-2030s. So a while. And Clemson's in the middle of that. And as the representative of the ACC and the college football playoff and the program that has knocked off the Goliath in Alabama before in that moment. You know, I think the average fan would say, oh, they'll be back. And while they're still going to win at a, at a tall and, and high clip, I don't think we're seeing the championship level Clemson as we progress season to season now, just based on where Georgia is and the fact that it's about to be the haves and the have-nots even at the very top level of any conference. Certainly didn't look like a team that was going to be in the haves this season, and that'll make two seasons, and you're trending the wrong direction then. The trouble is, is that group then shrinking? Uh, you know, you guys are optimistic about Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma stay in that, and then are we down to four right now? Can Michigan elevate and stay in there or are we at Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State? I think it's those three. Yeah. I think that Dabo Sweeney is too principled to evolve into college football as we move forward. And I, I'm not saying that as a diss to him. I mean, he's very, very hard-headed about what college football is, about what his program is going to be, and he's not going to compromise for that. This is a guy who will not allow commits to go on other visits. That if he takes your commitment, you can't visit another school or they cut you, even if you're a four- or five-star guy. This is part of the rule at Clemson. No other school gets away with it. And I applaud him 
for somehow pulling this off. That's one and, thing and if you're getting, defending national champion. It's another thing if you look like you look like science. Recruiting classes, getting great recruiting classes and all of this. Um, he's clearly built something that's special at Clemson. I have serious doubts about his ability to withstand what's coming with NIL, with transfer portal, with everything else. This is a guy who has mocked all of these things and does not want to embrace any of it. And I'm watching them and thinking, if you're going to be this hard-headed about your offense, he, promote, he promotes Brandon Streeter to offensive coordinator. He comes right back with, with DJ as quarterback this year. And everything that we've seen him, he stepped in a number of times, talking about NIL, about players getting paid, about transfer portal. These are all problems that many college football fans have with the game. But when you are the one tasked with bringing in talent from high school, you should not be saying these things about the future of the game because that's where it is now, and that's certainly where we're headed. It's inevitable. I've got doubts. So while you were saying all that, what's, what's entering my head is, it sounds like a guy that needs to wind up in the NFL. Because if, if you don't want to deal with all of that kind of stuff and just coach ball, well, there's a place you can do it, but it's on Sunday, not Saturday. The problem is he's, he's no NFL coach. No, I don't think so either. But I mean, I, that's I, I where you cannot deal a, with that kind of stuff. He's more a boy's guy than a men's yeah, guy. Yeah, he's more like an FCA president high school coach before he would be an a NFL coach. I think he's, he's way more into that part of it. Uh, than 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 just being Shaping the football X's and O's coach. Well, that, part the, of you it. know the uh, crystal ball would say he needs Nick Saban to retire so he can go to Alabama. But Nick Saban's a good comparison point because Nick Saban is Adapt. older, much older than Dabo Sweeney, and Nick Saban is as old school as they come deep down. But guess what? Nick Saban's not doing. He's not talking about not using the transfer portal. He's not thumbing his nose at NIL. He's talking about guys getting seven figures in NIL, his quarterback at Alabama. He knows how to adapt and play to a game. changing game. He was outspoken about the speed of offenses being a threat to college football. And when he realized he couldn't stop it with the fast. NCAA, yeah, he started running that offense, and he dominated doing it. I, I, I don't think Dabo's going to adapt that way. Well... I think it's partly because he's been winning at such a high clip up until last year. And, and not just winning at a high clip, dominating. So from 2012 to 2020, four programs in college football had a winning percentage of those combined years of over 80%. Alabama went 115 and 11 from 12 to 20. Ohio State went 106 and 11. Clemson went 111 and 14. At a clip at 88%, nearly 89. And Oklahoma. Oklahoma was at 81% win percentage. This is right there. Uh, from I mean, 2015 to 2020. Let's just narrow it even further. Two programs. Far and away. Far and away the best in the country. Ahead of the pack. With Ohio State being a close third. Alabama was 79-6. and six From 2015 to 2020. Clemson was 79-7. and seven. One more loss. Same amount of wins for old school Saban and old school Dabo. And of those losses, it's, it's important to note that the two teams, Alabama and Clemson, beat each other two times each. So those two teams combined for nine losses to programs that were not Clemson or Alabama in a six-season span. 
That is utter domination. So he's done it without really adapting, but he's going to have to. And I'm not even sure. So I think part of this is I'm not even sure if adapting matters because we're about to enter an era that will be here in two and a half years where programs are going to get $100 million each per year. And he's at a program that's going to get, what, 35 To me, that adds up. And I know there's already a discrepancy in a TV contract for the ACC and the SEC or the ACC and the Big Ten, but the gap widens. It's not going to tighten. And, and to me, that is a huge detriment to Clemson football and Clemson athletics. Also, you know, 2020, where we still rated them as excellent, they were 10-2. and two. Last year, they were 10-3. and three. Uh, you yeah. know, and, and last year was their down year. Right. And it's one, one loss different. Now, we know it felt different. It looked different. We, we ran through some of the scores last week, what yeah. they were winning by. Those are scores that we don't love, but we don't bemoan other schools when, you know, so, some of the Alabama scores weren't terrifically uh, shaped either. Yeah, but the difference is Alabama's down year. They won the SEC. Right. Clemson yeah, did there's, there's, no, there's no denying his success. I mean, you, you reeled off the number. Everybody knows how great they've been. I'm simply telling you, if they're a stock, I'm selling. They lost two. Oh, yeah, then they too. lost three. I think all they may lose four this that. year. Uh, he's not. He's not publicly acquitting himself well. Talking about the, these things, he he sounds like an old man in a in a young man sport. And Nick Saban, as old as he is, does not sound like an old man when he talks to recruits and when he talks about recruiting and when he talks about talent acquisition and when he hits the transfer portal the way even Nick Saban did this past offseason. And three they sound losses, like two different guys. And three losses may not sound like a lot, but they hadn't lost three games since 2014. They'd lost either one or two or zero in, in 2018. So three is a lot by, by the standard yeah. he's set for himself at Clemson. It is a lot. And when, he looks, when the program looks up and sees another team waving the ACC banner, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a jarring effect. And There's no Georgia in, so in the ACC. Outside of record, I mean, just look at their defense. They have 50 from, from that span, that 2012 to 2020, they had 57 draft picks on defense. Names of Isaiah Simmons recently in 2020, um, Cleland Farrell and, and Christian Watkins, or uh, Wilkins, excuse me. Um, going back a bit further, Kevin Dodd, Shaq Lawson, Mackenzie Alexander, TJ Green, uh, DJ Reader, Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett. I mean, they, they have produced, and they're known for their defensive front seven and their 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 overall pass rushing ability and ability to cover and receivers. And to me, that's that's where I'm going. If you're going to see for an area that could drop, I'm looking and recruiting at that area because that is where they have been dominant. For years. And that's why, I mean, they won 10 games last year because of their defense. You know, they could have lost a lot more based on some final scores we rattled off earlier in the week or last week. Well, and they also, currently, their eighth next year's recruiting class nationally. Um, this is the composite ranking. Um, but teams that could catch them, that's right behind them Miami, Florida, both have fewer commitments right now. So they very well could jump them. Tennessee, have the same amount of commitments, and they're 11th nationally. USC is 13th. Penn State is uh, 12th. So there are programs that could knock them out of the top 10. That still sounds really good. I mean, a top 15 recruiting finish doesn't sound that bad 
But for Clemson, it's bad. Yeah. For Dabo Swing, that's a top three annual. You pencil them in top five worst, but top three recruiting class every single year. If they drop out of the top ten, that's another sign that things aren't heading in the right direction. The other thing is their conference, right? There's no Georgia to their Alabama in that conference. So if they're slipping the way we feel like they're slipping, who's coming up on their backside? We just saw North Carolina play very poorly. Uh, you know, we don't know what Miami is yet. Maybe they're coming back to where they are. But I don't know that they feel like they're looking over their shoulder nervous about somebody that's establishing some big program that's going to be the next Clemson of the ACC right now. There certainly is some opportunity there, though, for somebody in the ACC to charge up their backs. Well, well it's, also, it's, it's Miami's. If, you're, if we just want to circle a program and say, come and get it, big boy. It's Miami. They've got the second and arguably most influential NIL program with John Ruiz in America. It's Miami. They have the history. They have the swagger. They now have the coach in Mario Cristobal who's from there, who knows how to get players in South Florida. If I'm just going to – again, if we're buying and selling stock, I'm buying Miami – Selling Clemson as the future of the ACC. Get to work next and, year. And winning, be... and winning that conference, Not maybe not every year the way Clemson's done it over this span, which has been a great dominant era of Clemson football, but they should consistently get in that mix as a top-two team in that conference. Can you be a superpower and not be in the SEC or the Big Ten? And that's another big question here moving forward. Superpower. I'm not saying playoff caliber. Because when we expand to 12, we're going to see other conferences represented. But in the crystal ball, as it's shaped right now with Kirby Smart building what Saban started with in 2007, you can see it becoming that at Georgia. And he deserves credit for that. Now, he's got a long way to go. But he's the one guy that's reloading at a high clip at elite level and winning championships now. I don't think um, so. Yeah, and I think that's, that's where I'm hesitant on it. So I still think Clemson is a really good program. I think they can maintain being a really good program, but I don't know if we're going to see them at the dominant level we saw them for the last decade in the next decade. Well, maybe they get back and sustain, but they'd be the only one. I don't know that somebody else is going to grow into a superpower in one of those other conferences. I don't think you're just going to be tested enough week to week compared to what comes out of the SEC and the Big Ten once they get into that Final Four, now that Final 12, and you just are not battle-tested to the same degree. So maybe there's a basketball like Cinderella that plays its best football when it gets to those three games, but the odds are going to be heavily stacked against you when you run into Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, whoever's hot there taking their turn out of the Big Ten, and, well, and Alabama, Georgia, Here's where I disagree. Whoever else. Notre Dame's one of them that could. That they're could. just they're independent, so could. they're a little separate of this. But I I would include them as someone who could become a superpower. They're always going to be playing an extra game. The SEC always going to be playing an extra um, game. Outside of that, I mean, I I think it's Clemson or Miami. If I had to pick someone, and we've seen Clemson, do yeah, it. USC is is the interesting one because once they join the Big Ten, I think it become a a two party system west east of that conference of Ohio State and USC regularly contending for a playoff spot and for supremacy in the conference. But there's not a lot of... I mean, could could USC-Ohio State become the Bama-Georgia 
what we're seeing now with the Big Ten. It'd be terrific if it did. And then you have that in the SEC. But I also want I want some cyclical teams that I agree. are not – Okay, you're not a contender every year, but you say, you know what? Once every four years, we're going to get in there and make some noise. Well, the 12-team playoff hopefully will help with that. Hopefully. But it could not also just it. it could also set up to get you know, to the now same we, four now teams. We get, we're looking at 15 teams that are going to be in the 12, and that's it. Right. <laughs> it's a rotating, you know, it's, it's these 15, and then there's a few teams that are vying for that last, and worse the last than few that, spots. And worse than that, it's just 12 that get down to the same four. And so we get to see some other somewhat yeah, it, interesting even, games, but, but it, we wind up the way, same place. it's better than what we have right now. Well, you're going to have more compelling games early, yeah. and then you're still right. going to have – I mean, It's not even about the, the same four. To me, it's the same two. One versus four and two versus three. I mean, we get, we get decent games every now and then, but, but mostly that, that's how you – I mean, we just saw Georgia – Georgia beat a fourth-ranked caliber program in Oregon. As badly as they did. I'm not saying this year, but traditionally, the Pac 12 has been represented as the fourth best team in the country in the college football playoff. And they got boat raced. They got smoked. The most recognizable brand over the last decade in the Pac 12 smoked. Right. The Oregon Ohio State upset, when it comes, comes in September. It doesn't come in January. But it also, I mean, you have a lot of this now, too, but uh, Utah's loss at Florida, as an example, right? Yeah. Right now, Utah, to me, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, run the table and you're in the playoff. But you got to run the table, right? If it's 12 teams, well, suddenly, you know, Kyle Whittingham's best team ever at Utah, possibly, that lost their first game on the road to Florida, they're sitting pretty for, one of, those 12, for one of those 12 spots. So not only does it, 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 does it bring in people that's, you know, 30 down to 12 in the rankings in college football to at least be in the mix into November – it also doesn't eliminate someone for a loss. Sure. That's really good. But your confidence about them getting to the four after that game? N- not not as high. And your confidence about them chance. winning in the four? But, Paul, my confidence about anybody beating Alabama or Georgia is oh, almost I know. zero. I know. But so, it, I mean, the, the a win— A week ago, I was hopeful. The win is to get in. <laughs> no, the, we're that's talking, the sad part. We were talking college football playoff for Utah. I wasn't talking national championship for Utah. No, yeah, I'm, me there's neither. a big gap no, between I, I, that. Yeah, I understand. But my when I'm putting somebody in the four, then I'm rooting for them to win one game. Well, root all you and want, throw everything it, it's, off. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Oh, that, and that's the, that's the unfortunate part. It's what I always talk about. College football, while I love it, it's a lot of different levels that people are trying to reach. And I think there's just a lot of teams that you can go in there and say, hey, we want to win the national championship this year. But I think there's three teams that have a chance of winning it, realistically. And it's all about when they get into that game, who's going to win it? Nick Saban just went on a big rant and cursed on his coach's call-in show because he said, I'm tired of reading stories about us versus Ohio State and who would win. Good. Lose or us some versus Georgia. Utah State. He said, how about Help write something out. about you know this week's opponent and how they can beat us? Or the next week opponent, how they can beat us? Well, I can't. And I'm thinking, this is Nick Saban wanting bulletin board material. <laughs> I'm calling for it, guys. Please, someone write an article about Utah State beating us so I can motivate my guys yeah. for Utah State. Well, you go ahead and lose to Utah State and you'll get some of those articles. But until you do, we're going to keep wondering about Ohio State. And meanwhile, you have Sarkeesian in Austin yesterday yeah, saying... Dang. Probably uh, not. Yeah, hey, uh, just just FYI, this this game, no matter if we win or lose, has no bearing on whether or not we're going to win our conference, and it has no bearing on Alabama winning the SEC. Yeah. 
okay. Not really gauge well, about progress. Like, it's going to be a great atmosphere. We love to win. We can't wait to compete. Oh. But basically I mean, saying little, like, don't little, don't take this loss yeah. too harsh. Whenever we, get, whenever we get drummed, uh, let's look the other way. Yeah. We're going to recover. Guys, I'm not. Here's two <laughs> two things that we're going to do here at Texas. I'm not going to give you a depth chart, and we're not going to talk <laughs> about it ever. You're never going to see one of those. Did you save and talk about that? And two, I'm never going to talk about expectations other than this is just a friendly little exhibition. Yeah. We're going to yeah. play, and we're not going to think ball. about it at all. I want everyone to block this game out of your minds when it's over with. What did he say about the depth chart? Well, he was, he was asked about the depth chart or something because Alabama gave one. He goes, honestly, and I think this is an ode to Sarkeesian, he's like, I think this is the last time you guys are ever going to get one because whenever we release it, all you do is ask me about it. <laughs> so I'd rather not answer these questions based on the depth chart we provide. Same with, with like a press conference with no questions. Yeah. Or we'll come in here, we'll be silent together for 10 minutes, and then I'll leave. Yeah. He's got to go in there. He's got to take right. a or swig here's a of list. the Coke P- or the Pepsi. PR is going to be passing out a list. These are the acceptable yeah. topics for the next 10 minutes. Please select from this sheet. Coming up, uh, NFL injuries to keep an eye on coming out of the preseason and going into week one. That's next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Alabama head coach Nick Saban, the Crimson Tide, they win in blowout fashion over Utah State, and then he's asked about his team's depth chart. You guys need to get off the depth chart a little bit and forget about who started and who didn't. There's competition at every position, which is a good thing. My biggest issue, and this may be the last time you ever get one, (laughs) my biggest issue on our whole team was the day the depth chart came out. So you may have seen the last one. You all may have seen the last one. We have competition on our team. We have good players. Just it's not, There's not just, I have, in my mind, seven or eight guys that can play winning football in the offensive line. I'm going to play them all. You can hear his fingers. I know you all think I'm crazy. I, that doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> doesn't bother me one bit. There's Nick Saban with the media. Uh, He's so good. He's so deep at every position with another five-star ready to rotate in. Doesn't matter who. Someone will start a game. Yes. They will. There'll be someone on the field, 11 guys, before the next 11 guys. And that's why there's a depth chart. Uh, He's such a control freak. I cannot stand Well, Paul, you're speaking of every coach in America. Mike Mike Vrabel mocks you when you ask about a depth chart. And we don't know how to read the unofficial depth chart for Sunday because is McCreary correct because he's starting? Or is it Weaver's really a backup, but we really think he's a starter? They're lying about that, but they're being honest about corner. Like, which is it? Because the media is acting both ways on that, too. No, I hate all of it. They dangle it out there like a carrot and then mock everyone when, they, when they're asked about it. it just, Every it, coach. This makes me laugh from Saban because he, he doesn't really have problems 
right? Like it's just <laughs> people I'm, asking I'm, him questions. It's oh funny. my god! No, it's funny to me that he's like the one time all year I've had a problem was the day I released the damn depth chart, and there were players that were upset. Come on. Like you are well, his so issue is good people at your asking job. Him questions about it. he's so good at his job and what he's done, and he's been so excellent that he's the greatest coach of all time. I, I just don't understand why you have to be so contrarian to the media and act like it's their it's their job to make sure that you can do your job to the optimum level. Right, and it's their at least have some acknowledgement that we have things we need to write about. Fans want like to know who's going to start in what positions. So if you can help us with that, that helps us. We're, no one that covers Alabama football is trying to make Alabama lose. It only helps them when the great Nick Saban can do his job and Alabama continues to steamroll everyone on their schedule. So why this front about you guys asking me about these depth chart is so annoying to me. And Come on. That's what bothers me about it. I mean, Hutton, you're right. All, no coach wants to give a depth chart deep down. Not anymore. They're all control freaks about it. But just take it to the next level. And, well, uh, you're never going to see one again. You know what? Here's going to be your penalty for asking about it. You're not going to see like, it again. The coaches are mimicking Belichick in the NFL, and they're mimicking Saban in college. You yeah. know, what works for them should work for every program, so they're going to do that. Um, if it's cut off my sleeves. If, yeah, if it's considered some great advantage to not release the depth chart, there will be a depth chart. It's it's just so so dumb. <laughs> I mean, come on, he doesn't have problems. Stop acting like there's a problem because some he reporter has asked about the depth chart. He has a problem. That problems in College Station. He's made everyone well aware. We'll see of the problem. October. We got to wait till October. For that one. <laughs> October fifteenth. John McClain is next. He has a new business venture, and NFL Week One is here. Details next on Outkick 360.